0: on today's creativity chat I have Sonia Lohman she is the writer and director of Black Boys she's also done a few other films too that we can talk about but I wanted to talk to her because I saw this film in theaters in September or wait maybe it was October the months are blurring in in October and I sat by myself in the theater wept for at least half of it and I thought I have to talk to her. I wanted you guys to hear the trailer before we actually talked about the film, so here's uh, the audio for it. They are often reduced to just being a body, seen as something that could be easily discarded. They're just asking for dignity, which you would think all of us would want. James Baldwin said to be a Negro in this country and to be relatively conscious means that you are in rage almost all the time.
1: realize you live in a world where your humanity is
0: constantly being questioned. This country needs to put the mirror up.
1: We're angry because of the notion that we love our community. We love
0: our black boys and our black girls. These young people don't need saviors. They need believers. We're passing this stuff on from generation to generation. We're better than what black people and black males are experiencing. We are better than that. imdb it says black boys illuminates the spectrum of black male humanity in america an intimate intergenerational exploration black boys strives for insight to black identity and opportunity at the nexus of sports education and criminal justice how did you get to a place where you decided hey sports criminal justice and education are the three like things that we want to focus in on and we want to focus in From the perspective of body, mind, and heart?
1: Well, I did my first film about school segregation. Um, I was working in an educational organization, and so I was already very fixated on our education system in America, um, really seeing it as kind of a racial caste system, very, you know, really looking at the racism in our education system and the, the resegregation of our schools. Obviously, that connects pretty closely with um, criminal justice. There's a school-to-prison pipeline. You know, there's an argument to be made that the marginalization that young people experience in our schools really set them up for disenfranchisement, set them up for, you know, poverty and all sorts of um, kind of life trajectories that tie closely into the criminal justice system. You might know the, the statistic that, um, you know, prison prisons are – are building the number of beds that based on how many black boys are reading on grade level by like third grade really really intimately connected so Teach Us All really kind of dove into the education piece of it and Teach Us All was acquired by Ava DuVernay who did 13th who she dove really deeply into the criminal justice system so she she kind of you know framed those films as companion pieces in conversation with each other around the criminal justice and education connection At the kind of tail end of that, I started really thinking more deeply about that connection. And it was in the context of the Take a Knee protests. It was like 2017. um, And I was watching these athletes protest against the murders of of innocent black men and boys at the hands of police officers. And I really um, was thinking a lot about how the sports piece is really kind of missing from this narrative in many ways, because one, you know the number of young black men and boys that i spoke to and making teach us all who really still felt like their way out of poverty or other kind of circumstances that they live in is through sports that might be how they get a scholarship that might be how they get money that they've never experienced it's this kind of this narrative still like i'm going to be a sports player that's how i get out and it was sort of shocking for me to see why are more opportunities not being presented to black boys um, not that there's anything wrong with sports, but they should have myriad, infinite possibilities, and that should be one of them, not just the only one. Talk to a boy, Bradley, in the making of Teach Us All, and he said, you know, in my community, you have four options. You're a, a sports player, or you're a dope dealer, or you're dead or incarcerated. And he watched so many of his, you know, peers die as teenagers, um, and really their only hope be sports and that's like the kind of a one in a million shot or one in 10 million shot, you know, of being a, an athlete. So I really felt like there was something there in terms of that we were overlooking in terms of both sports being presented as an opportunity, but then as seeing how there was so much backlash against the athletes who were using their voices um, to, for social justice and basically being told to shut up and play, like you're just a body, you're here to entertain us. And as someone who doesn't watch sports and isn't kind of enamored with that whole world, I think it was easier for me to sort of look at it from the outside and say, why don't people want these athletes to talk and use their brains and use their voices and express what's on their hearts? And they just want them to just be this sort of flat, one-dimensional figure that just plays out there and entertains. And so for me, it was really easy to see the connection between the cotton fields and the football fields, and this 400 years of commodifying Black bodies in this country, and how that dehumanization leads into our education system and our criminal justice system. It's so connected to me, and so I wanted to make something that really um, you know brought those connections, really made that connection um, in a very explicit way, and then also with the intention of illuminating the full humanity, So with the argument that we often do stop at the body, how do we talk about the mind and the voice and the heart and this full spectrum of, you know, Black male humanity in America? So that was a very long answer, but that's
0: (laughs) how it came to be. (laughs) I appreciate long answers. For me, on the, like, receiving side of someone who, obviously, I didn't put any time into planning this film. It was neat how you started off with sports, specifically calling out, hey, The NFL is a $2.9 billion industry and there are zero black owners. And then the part where the guy was talking about he, the worst day was when he was stripped and like measured and how you showed that between when slaves were sent to their master's home or like wherever they were going and how they also were measured and stripped of everything. And I, I had never put those two together. So I, I thought you did such a really lovely job with Thank that.
1: Thank you. And I really wanted to get to kind of the emotional experience of that. So yes, pointing out the parallels of the combine and the auction block essentially where the value of black men and boys is being placed on their physical prowess and their body and they're um, essentially being bred and groomed to be strong and um you know, powerful, and and that's a double-edged sword, right? As we point out in the film, it's like, oh, yeah, we want Black men to be really strong and powerful and even violent and aggressive when it profits us. But if they show any of those attributes outside of these, you know, boundaries, then it's an excuse for shooting you and killing you with virtual impunity and a desensitization to their deaths because oh, but they're violent and they're aggressive and they're scary. So it's a really fine, I mean, it's such a, like a just tightrope to walk as a black man, and a black boy, where you're constantly being told your value is in your body, your value is in your strength and your physical prowess, and you're supposed to be hard and tough and strong. And that can either make you a hero or it can lead to your death. I mean, it's such like an extreme juxtaposition And we'll celebrate you when you do it in this way, and we'll kill you if you do it in this way. And um, just how do you, as a boy growing up in that, what do you, how do you navigate that, you know, and the messages that you're told? So I wanted to kind of get to the emotional experience of that too. Like when Quan Cosby, the guy who was talking about the combine, says it was just humiliating. Like, just like, just like, how does it feel? And so the whole intention of the film was just, yeah, to point out these historical parallels and these injustices, but also really, um, you know, bring to bring the light, the kind of the emotional experience of racism and walking through the world and having to navigate these things and internalize these beliefs and see how the world sees you and try to make your own kind of identity and voice, you know, in the face of that.
0: It's so tricky. Um, I don't know how, you know, it's, I don't know. It is It's horrible because like you say in the film black Mm -hmm. aggression sells I don't remember the names of the young men and the older men a guy is interviewed and he's talking about how when he sees a white woman and she's scared and how that how that makes him feel knowing that his mother is white and when she sees him there's love and there's care I really appreciated the way that that interview was handled because you guys gave him the space to like come back to the the question and not like pressing in mm-hmm. immediately. I really wanted to talk about mirrors and windows. That was a part in the film that really stood out to me. Will you explain that?
1: In the film, Sharif Meki talks about this. He's this incredible educator, kind of revolutionary. Um, so he really opened my eyes about it. I love the concept, um, the windows and mirrors being that essentially because we live in a very segregated society, um, that obviously has kind of white supremacy at its core, our education system reflects these different kind of layers of humanity. So he says for a black boy or girl growing up in a typical school in America, they will get windows into a white world. They'll read, you know, Tom Sawyer, Great Gatsby, whatever. They'll, they'll have their mascot on the walls who's a white Spartan guy you know and they'll they'll have a white teacher in front of the classroom they'll have white movies and white television shows so they'll be looking through a window at another world that's like separate from them that's a different humanity than them and white children will typically grow up being reflected back through all these mirrors their white supremacy you know their their whiteness is reflected back to them um, through again all the books the movies the posters on the wall the teacher in front of the classroom so they get to see themselves constantly being reflected back whereas black children have to look out and see whiteness reflected and see that they're considered separate from that and in our system you know deemed quote inferior to that often through all the subliminal messaging so one of the ways that we're really trying to kind of look at that in terms of a tangible social impact you know output of this film is how do you have teachers really take a critical look at what they're presenting what posters are on their walls why aren't there more you know why aren't there black astronauts or you know black scientists or whatever it is why on the walls and um in the curriculum obviously you know what we're reading why aren't white children also getting windows into black world why aren't they reading more black literature or latino latinx literature or whatever it is there's so many myriad layers of diversity but at the very least you know not just kind of white supremacy literacy literature and um media but it's everything it's again it's it's, it's who's in front of the classroom so you know we talk about in the film how less than two percent of teachers or black male educators. So think what that does, you know, I think back to my own education, um, is, you know, a white, a white student in a white community, in a white classroom, in a white, with white teachers, with white literature, with white television shows, um, with, with all of these things. And, and you, you feel It makes you feel separate. Like, I I grew into an adult that didn't know hardly anything about Black culture, didn't hardly know any Black people, and again, just got this very kind of, as Carmelo Anthony says in the film, like you learn about slavery. And so then that just kind of reinforces this imagery of bondage and oppression and pain and trauma rather than the triumphs and the resilience and the accomplishments and all of you know and the culture and all of these different things that could create a much more nuanced and realistic you know view of one another instead we're just kind of getting these again these very flattened versions of each other so that starts in the classroom I and mean, you have children who are there for eight hours a day imbibing this and then they grow into an adult that they're going to carry over you know these attitudes and these perceptions um that are really learned in the classroom and so the windows and mirrors things is a really cool way of kind of breaking that down and looking at it very tangibly and concretely of what are we presenting and and what are children absorbing every single day in terms of who they are and who they can become
0: yeah this year you know? was the first year that i realized it was actually it might have been january i realized My first black teacher was in college, like I was a sophomore in college, and I had never sat and reflected on the fact that none of my teachers ever looked like me. When it came down to who do we choose to be in the film, like it said in the IMDB title, it is an intergenerational thing. So there aren't just a lot of like 80 year old men who are upset. Like you have middle schoolers and high schoolers and college students. So how did you go about doing that, finding them? Call the
1: film a co-creation because the producer that I worked closely with from the very beginning, um, Chad Williamson, is, is like me. We were from the sort of nonprofit educational advocacy world, first and foremost. And then filmmakers were just kind of figuring out how to be filmmakers on the side. Um, so that world really is about relationships and it's about community and it's about um you know the grassroots efforts that are you know the people who are putting in the work having worked in education space and he's even much more deeply steeped in education than me I developed a number of relationships in making teach us all started to really work with the educational community you know Chad has a lot of contacts in the education space and the sports world so for us it was really a matter of who are the organizations that are working with young black men and boys who are actually doing the work, who are actually experiencing these things on a daily basis, who are, who know what's working and isn't working. Um, and how do we collaborate with them? How do we make this a co-creation? So it's not Sonia Lohman coming in and putting a camera on you, like, you know, I'm coming to look at just something, an exhibit somewhere or something. But it's like, for me, it's like creating the humility to say like I don't know but like I want to talk to the people who know and I want to listen and have them guide who we should be talking to what we should be talking about um, and really you know have them drive sort of the conversations and um, the partnerships and so I think you know there was probably some people in the film like a like a Carmelo Anthony or something like that that was more um, you know, oh, this would be a, an interesting voice. And it came about in a more traditional kind of filmmaking way. But the majority of the people in the film were through l- partnerships that have endured to this day and will long, you know, long sustain in terms of really doing the the work on the ground and had creating that social impact. And, um, you know, people who are deeply, deeply invested in actually changing the lives of Black boys on a daily basis, you know, and and having them advise and inform how this should look.
0: Uh, I looked up that you have something called Never Whisper Justice and the mission is a disruptive social justice media company using bold storytelling and concrete social impact, uncompromising in the pursuit of truth and yielding in the face of necessary change. And you guys thrive at building relationships, connecting dots and forging unity and you remain relentlessly optimistic. And I liked the words concrete social impact stood out to me because I think a lot of times it seems like people have an idea of how they want to make an impact, but it's like this maybe overthought process and there's no like actual action behind it. And then the fact that it said you wanted to forge unity, how do you feel like Black Boys is forging unity?
1: You know, I mean, the intention was really to create something that could be, that could feel very universal, um, that could feel like, you know, I mean, I was looking at the landscape when this was kind of coming together 2017, 2018, and you know, feeling again like there's okay, there's all these people that are working in criminal justice, there's all the people that are working in education, there's sports, there's there's X, Y, and Z, you know, there's all these different, there's racial justice in general, there's all these different organizations, but it's like, how do we create something that can kind of that everybody can see themselves in this story? And you know, the timing of the film's release, obviously in the wake of the George Floyd protests, was was prescient and perfect in terms of um, I think allowing for more receptivity to the message than we might have had you know I, we finished Absolutely. the film a year ago and it was very frustrating because we were like we know this is so urgent this is so much important but people were not paying attention people were not interested until this summer's events and 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 so for me you know female white filmmaker making a film called black boys for me it was like how do we create something that invites people into the conversation that, that isn't polarizing because people are so scared of talking about racism this is the scariest thing for us and we want to pretend like it doesn't exist or we want to pretend like we're past it or we want to pretend like it's oh it's just people who wear like robes or vote for trump or x y and z you know we want to we want to say those are the racists. i'm not a racist like everyone's terrified of being called a racist and the truth is is like we're we're all breathing in racism you know <laughs> every day, every second Absolutely, of every yeah. day. So for me, it was like, if I could, as a white filmmaker, look at myself in the mirror and try to sort of do that process of interrogating my own biases, of questioning my own, yeah, the, the, the questioning what I've imbibed about Black men. And so that was really a driver in this, as you, and it's sort of woven through the film, and you can see it in little bits, like the part you you referenced about the, the, black, the boy with the white mother. I mean, this idea, or this question of how it feels to be f- feared by white women was really obviously driving me as a white woman, as a white woman who grew up in very segregated, white bubbles who knew didn't know any black men and boys growing up, who knew very few, even into my twenties and early thirties. For me it was a deconditioning process too. It was wondering why am I a little bit afraid of black men? Where did I learn that? There's no real life experience that supports that. But if you think about, okay, I've only ever lived in like white environments. My neighborhoods were white, my schools were white. Um the media depicts black men and obviously this, you know, very two-dimensional, very stereotypical way. I moved all over the country, all over the world really, but I moved all over the country and I would hear things like, don't go into that neighborhood, it's bad. Don't move there. You hear these things about what neighborhoods are bad, what schools are bad, this like code language. And all the bad, quote unquote, is neighborhoods of color, schools of color. And you don't even realize often how that's playing with your mind and you're now associating bad with people of color and what that does to reinforce you. So even if you're like, you think of yourself as very progressive or you're, you're, I'm not a racist, whatever, like there's that, that, that sort of pernicious kind of unconscious, um, like reinforcements of these, um, I guess, I mean, it's, it's not even stereotyped. It's deeper than that. Like mindsets. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, and, and for me, it really comes down to f- fear again, because it's like, what's the emotional experience of that? So the emotional experience of being told a neighborhood is bad is, oh, I'm not going to go there. That's scary. And then you start to associate in your body fear with Black people or people of color. And so then you've got this physiology of fear that often conflicts
0: with your well your ideology and i want to speak to that because so i have been in a lot of white spaces and i'll hear things like that and i'm thinking but if you knew my family like if you knew some of my really good friends i think the way that you communicate the way that you perceive black men black boys would completely shift But because, like you said, you weren't around, you didn't have really good friends or you didn't have family, it makes sense that you would be the way that you are and you would believe the things that you do because no one has ever told you that you were wrong. There was a guy that you interviewed and he said someone told him, I don't know if someone told him he was ugly, something happened. And then his mom came back and showed him cinnamon crunch cereal and was like, you're cinnamon. And I just loved how the mom shifted what could have been honestly like detrimental to his uh, thought process of how he perceived himself. And I like I started crying because when I was nine, a kid told me that I was ugly. And I went and told my mom and she said, you go back and you tell him, then why are people paying to look like me? And I remember just like feeling so empowered with that statement of, yeah, like people are paying to look like me. They're going to tanning salons. They're buying uh, tanning lo- lotion or whatever and um oh. that stays in my brain but i think of like oh dang like that could have been super hurtful dr john king he, former secretary of education and yeah they were telling him he looked dirty
1: um because of his skin and, and he's talking about how how yeah we need you know to really shift the messaging that that Um, black boys and girls are getting in the classroom at the home. Um, One of the things I really love about Greg Scruggs, the football player who kind of opens and ends the film with his two-year-old son, Coven, is we get to see that kind of messaging in real time. And For me it was like symbolic um you know the way that he speaks to his son is the way i want like america to speak to all you know babies in this country and especially black boys and and black girls and students you know children of color but he's going you're great you're going to be anything you want to be and that is not the messaging that society gives our children our children of color in particular and so it's like, you know, he's sort of this microcosm of how we can we need to really shift the dialogue and 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 give young people this stronger sense of identity and um, that they they're worthwhile and they belong and all of these things. So yeah. um,
0: it was it cool was boy. sweet how you just showed him being a dad and how he was reading with him. He was, Like giving him a bath, putting him to sleep, telling him that he loved him. I think as I'm listening to you, you are saying you very much wanted people's emotions to not only be like captivated, but for that to kind of shift their perspective. And that was, I wasn't sitting there like she's trying to get my emotions, but I'm just thinking like, this is very human. Like this is real. This is what it looks like for my dad to like read to me at night. And I, I could relate to that and I I I really wanted everyone that I know to see one of the kind of like final scenes where you ask three guys you say what's your favorite animal in the guy- and they just went like, boom. They just had answers. They were ready to go. Well,
1: actually, I asked them, what do they love about themselves? Oh, yeah, and yeah. And they okay. went into this whole analogy using birds, which was brilliant and amazing. Wait, let's talk <laughs> about that. Yeah, so it was in the section heart where we were really getting to the heart of belonging relationships. You know, that story you just told about his mother shifting what he said about cinnamon life. And so the one of the main themes of that chapter is really love and we ask what do you need what do black boys need they need love they need guidance and so there's it's kind of coming out of this whole sort of um or it's setting up this whole kind of message around just loving black boys and so well, the thing that i loved so much about that scene is because we first i first you know i, I come out of it or i come into it from a scene where i ask um, an older guy who's probably in his 40s or 50s at this point um, what do you want to say to the black boy in well, yes, you and I wrote about and that, that to you <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that was a question you know uh, when I like I asked everybody almost everybody I talked to of all ages you know up until like mid-80s when did you know you were a black boy and so this, this film is obviously really trying to get to the fact that you know we as an American society have created these sort of roles for black men that are sort of like sports player, dope dealer, gangster, like whatever, like these very um, stereotypical roles, but that's like, that's like, they've been like cast as that, they've been assigned as that, that's not who they actually really are, and so this question of how did you know you were a Black boy, I think, or when did you know you're a Black boy, really gets to the heart of this shift that happens, in every, you know, Black male that I spoke to, um typically you know around the age of like five or six it seemed to be where they went from being a boy that was just like fun and free and playful to a black boy which is often being called the n word or being suddenly not able to play with the other white children on the on the school class you know I'm in on the neighborhood like oh you can't play with my kids anymore like something happened that was usually highly traumatic that was like Oh wait i'm not just like a kid i'm a black boy and this is what this means in america and this is a bad thing in america and that starts to like really shape how they have to move through the world and how they have to adapt to white people's discomfort and fear around them and so asking this man doing me samuel is like what do you want to say to the black boy in you and he says i forgive myself i forgive myself for believing what other people told me about who I am and there's nothing wrong with me. And that's really such a message of this film. Like there's nothing wrong with black boys. What's wrong is the story that white society has been telling them about themselves. And so going from Boone Me, who's, you know, in his maybe 40s, 50s, and he's finally able to see that like, oh my God, like, you know, all this pain I suffered because I believe what they told me that I was less than or that I was a monster, whatever they told me. And now, then you go to these 17 year old boys sitting on a rock, and I ask them, "What do you love about yourself?" And they talk about their confidence and their boldness and how they can persevere through their circumstances and their wisdom and you know their, and they put it all in this bird analogy in terms of like being an eagle, One one's an eagle and one 's an owl, and it was just unbelievably like touching to see just um they're defining on their terms like who they are and this this love for themselves and this 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 belief in themselves that, that society's not giving them but they're still finding within themselves and and to wrap it all up in these bird analogies was just so fun and brilliant so I love that scene yeah, yeah it was
0: my favorite yeah. <laughs> um, and I actually wrote uh what do I want to say to the black girl in me and that was such a great mm-hmm. question I'm gonna share it with you yeah, please do I wrote there's nothing wrong with you you'll spend a portion of your life believing there is you'll dig into the depths of why people will overlook you you'll wonder if your words are received you'll be present in a world that desires you to be elsewhere you'll dig into thoughts that feel murky a bit of your life will be spent wondering what you could have done to have people stay one day you'll cease to wonder on the ones that left and your loyalty will be linked to the ones that remain. Your dreams are attainable. They seem far-fetched now, but the Lord will equip you with what you need when you need it. Your gift to society is not what skills you possess or knowledge you have. It is in your very being. The character God has given you should not be mitigated. He's done an intense work. The uprooting of the old is needed for the emergence of the new. You've been liberated in Christ. This freedom will demand others run into roads filled with risk that require an audacious awakening. You are young, but your voice is influential. Your manners matter. Extend love that covers a multitude of wrongs. Fear not. Doubt will leave you. I believe in you. I always will. Yeah.
1: That's so beautiful. Thank you.
0: I I'm so appreciative that you created this film and the part about saying like black boys just need people to believe in them. I I feel like my whole life I've been um just so rooting for black men, black women because I had this understanding very young at like around 10 that if I could change the way that media perceived um black people as a whole then people would know each other the way that I know my family the way that I know my friends like there would things would be different and so you are helping that by creating things like this by creating teach us all I haven't seen it so I can't really speak to that as much but um, <laughs> so thank you for whatever it took for you to create because I know this isn't your your full-time thing, but I want everyone to watch it. Um, you can see Black Boys for free on Peacock currently. I will link the trailer. I will link all of Sonia's information in the show notes. Please consider spending, I think it's 95 minutes of your time <laughs> to watch this because if you walk away remotely impacted the way that I did, you will probably cry um but tears are good thank you for being on today's creativity chat sonia thank you thank you for your questions they're very beautiful (laughs) thank you i will talk to you all everyone i don't i never say y'all i don't know i just said that (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening i hope you have a lovely rest of the day until next week bye